Okay, good morning to have you all here this morning. Let's all please stand in for prayer in the first hymn. Heavenly Father, we do just thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house this day, Lord. We just thank you for all that you do for us each and every day. We even thank you for the rain that's coming outside, Lord. We thank you so much for the, for the growth it gives, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, continue just blessing the, the messages today, Lord, and as Pastor brings it. We ask you, Lord, to be with all people that are watching on the internet and online, and just help us all, Lord, just to give you the glory for it all. For Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Okay, let's let all the turn to hymn number thirty-five. Worship the Lord. second hymn. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. 
don't think there's very many, just a fellowship meal at noon, and then at one o'clock our Sunday school classes. So that's all the announcements I see on here, and let's go ahead and do the memory verse too. It's in your bulletin. It's Psalm 119.71. Say it twice. It's Psalm 119.71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Psalm 119.71. It is good that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Okay, for the next hymn, it's number five. I will praise him.
Kids are dismissed. Pastor, come bring the message. Good to see you all out today. Please take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 46. As I mentioned last week, I've been having problems with my tongue, being very sore. It's gotten a little better. Appreciate your prayers. Also, um, I finished up my um, physical therapy so I can drive now. So be watching out for me. And the CAT scan, my latest CAT scan, they showed that um, basically all the bleeding has stopped and my brain's almost completely healed. So that's been a great thing to hear that too. <laughs> Children are gone? Okay. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> oh my. Back at... In the book of Matthew, chapter 1, we have these words. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came, came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who, ha who has been conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which translated means God with us. 
I've noticed during this pandemic, and it's still going on, that people have been turning to the president, to Congress, to the Supreme Court, to Mr. Fauci, to the CDC, to Facebook, Twitter, the news media, all, all, these, pe all these people and organizations, they turn for guidance and protection. But I've also noticed one other thing. Where's God? Where's God? You know, he is not being mentioned at all. And there is, no one's saying, let's pray. Let's depend upon God to help us. You know, you, you don't hear that in a public arena. Now, while the U.S. government may at times think it has the power of God, it is very clear to me and to many others that it falls short in taking God's place and God's ability. Now, in the passage we just read in Matthew, he speaks of Emmanuel, God with us. That is, God is present. Now, that presence of God, to some people, may cause fear. Others don't really care about God, or whether he's present or not. But to God's people, his presence speaks of security. Security. And so in the midst of all the fear and uncertainty we have in our land and in this world, is it not security we are truly longing for? People are fearful because they don't have security. What we need is Emmanuel, God with us. The presence of God in all of life's circumstances so that we can find security. And that's the thought I want to look at as we look through this psalm this morning. Let us find security in the Lord's presence. Find security in the Lord's presence. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word today. I pray for those who are sick. I just mentioned someone was sick with COVID, you know, and they need your help and healing and strength. Others are dealing with falls, like Robert. He just fell down yesterday, I believe. So I pray you help him. And there are others, Lord, who are going through some really hard trials in life. They need your help, your power, your encouragement. They need your presence. And so do we. So does our country. We need to acknowledge the presence of God. For we know that right now, he's among us right now. We thank you, Lord. I pray, Father, you bless today. Help the word to be clear. And may we listen to the voice of your spirit speaking to us in your word. In your son's name, amen. So rest secure in God's presence. Two principles I want to look at this morning. The first one is this. In the presence of God, we find help in tight places. In the presence of God, we find help in tight places. Now, I don't know what your tight place is, but, you know, I've been facing one since June 8th, you know, and, and other things in my life. And those of, you are, there are the, those of you today who are really facing some really tough things. But in God's presence, we can find help in our tight place. Notice verse 1 of Psalm 46. 
God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And notice, first of all, in this verse, God is our safe place. He is called a refuge. That Hebrew word literally means cave. And it's used in context where it becomes a shelter from danger. He is our refuge and strength. He is our shelter and strength. And that speaks, that word literally means fortress. And when you think of fortress, you think of protection and safety. And then you notice the verse starts off with the word God. It, 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 everything else is kind of like modifying God's nature. And in the Hebrew, the first word in the verse is God also. God. And this word emphasizes our God's power. God is powerful. It's Elohim. God. And so literally it says this. In, in, if you were to translate it, it says, God to us a refuge and fortress. There's no verb in the, in the sentence. To God, I mean God to us a refuge and fortress. That's the thing that's on the, the, psalm, the psalmist's mind here. The first thing of God who is our safe place. There is no other shelter. There is no other protection, other protection for us like our powerful God. And that's what he turns to in the midst of whatever he's facing. He turns to God. Now notice something else. It says he is a very present help in trouble. So secondly, God is our helper. First of all, God is our safe place. If you're looking for a safe place to go, go to God. And then he says, God is our helper. God is our refuge. He hides us. God is our strength. He helps us. And these two thoughts go together. So the psalmist says, God is, our God is a present help in trouble. Now that Hebrew word translated present means to find, literally. But it, but it has the idea to be here. That's why it's translated present. He is here. He is our support. That's what help means. And then he is, he is here to support us in our trouble. And that literally means, that's, why, that's where I got the, the, uh, the, 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 word, the couple words in, in the major point there, tight place. He is our help in a tight place, in our tight places. And if we are in a tight place, whatever that may be, the psalmist says our God is here to support us, to help us. And there are times in our lives, in our lives when we need a refuge. You know, the storm is blowing and the battle's raging, and we have to run somewhere to hide. Ever been in a hurricane where the wind is blowing you around? You, know, you, know, you can't even stand up straight, and the, wind, and the rain's hitting you so hard it's almost knocking you down. And you need a place to hide, a shelter. And for us, spiritually, that hiding place should be our God and him alone. Now, when we're looking for a hiding place, a lot of times, we, you know, sometimes we get afraid and we go hide. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about hiding in God is not escape, but it is rejuvenation. That's where we go to find our strength and our help, our rejuvenation. Our guide hides us so that he can help us 
and support us. And then once he's helped us and supported us through our, through our storm, then we can return to the battle and face that storm. God is our help. He is our hiding place, a very present help in trouble. Then we come to verse 2 and verse 3. We find this. Not only is God our safe place, not only is he our helper, but thirdly, he is our fear remover. I couldn't come up with a better way to express it, but he, he removes fear. He is our fear remover. Okay. It's like Mr. Clean. You remember the, I don't, maybe, maybe you're not old enough. You don't remember, don't remember Mr. Clean. He could clean anything up. Well, God is Mr. Clean. He can remove our fear. Verses two and three. Therefore, we will not fear. For though the earth should change and the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, and though the waters roar and form, and though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, Selah. It's as though we feel anxious. And he says, we will, not, we will not feel anxious. And though the earth should change to be removed, to become different, though it slips, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea or the midst of the sea. And he says, though the waters roar, that's groan loudly, or to be tumultuous and be troubled, to foam. And though the mountains quake or shake at its surging or violent agitation, he says, we will not fear. Now, the language is hyperbolic, is exaggeration for effect. But it's used to describe how great the perils that may be that come into our lives. And some of the things that happen to us are really, really harsh and hurtful. Think of all the believers right now in Afghanistan who are running and hiding and fearing for their lives. They're facing real storms. No matter what happens, whether it's pain, accidents, disease, desertion, um, persecution, or any other calamity, we find that those who trust the Lord are safe and need not fear. I know even if in the process I lose my life, I don't need to fear. And that's what, that's, that's what the psalmist is telling us. I know this is easy to say, and it is really difficult to practice. I know that. Yet the fact of the nearness of God is true and his effect upon us is real. He is our help, our strength, and we need not fear. Someone wrote these words. The great doctrine of the presence of God, even in the Old Testament, affirms that the great king has identified himself with his people. Therefore, they need not fear. And in that removal of fear, we find security in God's presence. A second major thought this morning, beginning in verse 4, is in the presence of God, we find a source of refreshment. 
I don't know about you, but this old world gets me tired. You know, I'm trying to keep up with the news and read all that's happening, and you know, it's a dreary thing sometimes. Okay. And just living is wearisome sometimes. But when we go into the presence of God, he refreshes our souls. So we find this refreshment in him. Notice how, he, how the psalmist describes it. First of all, there is a river to drink from. So it reminds me of Psalm 23. It says, he leads me beside the still waters. Why? Because that's where I'm going to drink. There, and he says in verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. The city of God is speaking particularly of Jerusalem. So it speaks of the gathering of God's people. And what the psalmist says is this in verse 4. In spite of the calamities listed in verses 2 and 3, there is a river. Not only is there a river, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. It is a river that brings joy. That's what glad means. It means joy. It brings joy. And so the psalmist says, the Lord's presence is like a peaceful flowing river. And And he says, make glad the city of God. The city is where God's presence is. And when in the presence of God, there is joy. There is refreshment. And so we have a city of peace and joy. So there is a river to drink from. There is a, a river of God's presence. Verse 5. God is in the midst of her, in the city that has this, this river goes to, and she will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. In spite, again, of the calamities of verses 2 and 3, God is in the midst of his people. In the middle. He, that, that Hebrew word translated in the midst of actually means to be near. God is near. What does that speak of? His presence. So in the presence, God is in her presence. And she will not be moved. So because God is near... We will not be moved. Now, you know what that means? Toppled or shaken. We will stand fast in our trust in God because he is near. You know one reason why people fear, even believers fear? Because they are not near to God. And they don't sense his presence. And when we fear... We are far from God. That's all there is. Because God is near, this is at the end of the verse, God will help her when morning dawns. Because God is near, he will help us. That Hebrew word means to give assistance to. When morning dawn reminds me of another psalm. Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. 
It seems that God does that. He, he brings us through the hard times, and things are so dark. And all of a sudden, the day breaks, the presence of God is there, and he helps us, and we rejoice. The night of pain is eclipsed by the dawn of joy. That's what the psalmist is telling us. So we find that we have a river to drink from. That refreshes us. I don't know if you've ever been on some of those long marches, you know, where, you, you know, you, where, where it's really hot. We did this when we were down at Fort Bragg you know, when, I, when I was in ROTC. They, they put us on long marches. I, I tell you, in the summertime, it was hot. In fact, we had people falling from heat exhaustion all around us. But when we stopped and we got that drink of water from our canteen, that was refreshing. And so in the midst of our calamities, there is a river. A river that refreshes our souls. And then not only is there a river to drink from, secondly, beginning in verse 6, there is a place of security. The first thing we find is this. Unbelievers are powerless before God. They have no security. Verse 6. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. And the earth melted. Though the nations make an uproar against God's people, their kingdoms will be toppled. You do realize that, you know, you've got to think about this now. We're living in a nation right now who is turning against God's people. And it's becoming more and more evident and more and more open and more and more rigorous and it is hurting God's people and trying to. Though they uproar against God's people, we can be assured of this. They will fall. How? It says, he raised his voice and the earth melted. His voice, or literally it says this in the Hebrew, he gave forth his voice. He gave. It's the, it's the Hebrew word nathan, meaning to give. What can the voice of God do? Think about this. What can the voice of God do? Well, there are lots of things that contribute to the voice of God in the scriptures, but I picked out three. Or did I, yeah, I picked out three besides our verse. The first one is this. The voice of God created the universe. Genesis 1-3. Then God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. God's voice talked, throughout that, throughout that chapter, God said, it was the voice of God that caused creation. How powerful is that? Nothing can compare to it, right? There's no, nothing that man can do that is, that, that, that is against God's voice. God's voice does wonders in nature. In Psalm 29, verses 3 through 9, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. 
The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve and strips the forest bare. And his temple, everything says, glory. Now, now, it is apparent that the psalmist is talking about a thunderstorm. Okay, that's the figurative sense. But it really, really, it's bringing back to God and all his power and his glory when he speaks. When God speaks, it says in our text, the earth melted. And the voice of the Lord terrifies nations, Isaiah 30, 31. For at the voice of the Lord, Assyria will be terrified. You see, people and nations today are not listening for the voice of the Lord. But someday, he will speak, and they will melt. They, the Hebrew word means to collapse. They will collapse. One writer says, their titanic defiance becomes cowardice. The bonds of the confederation slacken, and the strength they have put forth is destroyed. And so the unbelievers are powerless before God. They have no security. But we have security because God is with us. Verse 7. You can't, you can't say it any, any clearer. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Our God is the Lord of an immense spiritual army. He is Lord over all the armies of heaven. And because the text says he is with us, this glorious God is not against us. Just like the previous verse, he's against all the unbelieving nations. But the Lord of hosts is with us because he, and, and because of that, he is for us. It says here, the God of Jacob is our stronghold, or steep stronghold, which cannot be scaled by any foe. Speaking of a, a fortress, or maybe up on, up, on a, up on a steep cliff face, and they cannot scale that. And so because he is our steep stronghold, our God is our place of security. And I've already said, as I've already said, in him there is no safer place on earth. The enemy may attack us. The enemy may hurt us. The enemy may kill us. But in him, in our God, we are secure. You know, I was mistaken. I, I thought I only had two points. I have three points. <laughs> That's a little bit longer than normal. Okay. Okay. The, the third point is this. In the, in the presence of God, we find the powerful sovereign. In the presence of God, we find the powerful sovereign. I've, I've mentioned thoughts about this already, but, but the psalmist comes very clear in this. First thought we have is in verse 8. God is powerful 
in dealing with his enemies. Notice what it says. Come, behold the works of the Lord. Look and see, perceive the deeds. Perceive and acknowledge what God has done. He who has wrought desolations in the earth. That's God's destructions. He caused desolations. Now that usually talks about an uninhabited wilderness that is worthless. So many people are afraid of the destruction of global warming and COVID-19. But we have a God, we have a God who can do much more damage than these measly fears, right? Our God is more powerful, if he chose to dis- in his destruction, more powerful than global warming and COVID-19. In fact, notice what God does in the future. 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and the works will be burned up. That's true global warming, by the way, right? Yes. And I also like to call it the second big, I actually want to call it the true big bang, too. When all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of that which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat, but according to his promise, we're looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Our God is more powerful than anything you and I can face today. But a better day's coming. Better day's coming. He's more powerful in deal, dealing with our enemies. And it says here in verse 9, God will bring true peace. Notice, he makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Our God makes ceasingly the wars, or he puts to an end wars. He breaks the bows in pieces. He cuts the spears. He burns the chariots. In other words, no weaponry you know, devised by man is too powerful for God. Even the hydrogen bomb. God can stop that. No, he's more powerful. And so he knows how to stop the warring of his enemies, and he knows how to bring true peace. And if God can bring peace in this world, can he not bring peace in our hearts? Surely. Isn't that security? You've heard the phrase, and I think it was a song, give peace a chance. All we are, was it something, is give peace a chance? I think it's, maybe it was a Beatles song. I don't know. But anyway, it's been such a long time. But give peace a chance. But you know what we really need today in our world? Is give God a chance. That's what we need. You know, we're, we're turning to all these different things. Except to the one true source of power, peace, and security. And it's God. And the sad thing is, so many believers are doing the same thing as the world. Our God is a true peacemaker. The true peacemaker. And we need to trust him. We need him. We need his presence. Verse 10. God is powerful for his own people. So you see, 
the, the unsaved people, they're going to be, he's, going to, he's powerful in dealing with his enemies. But God is powerful for his own people. Notice verse 10. Cease striving and know that I am God. King James says, be still. The Hebrew literally means let go. Let go. It means to drop. It means to relax. It's almost like the New Testament, this verse. Peace, be still. Remember Jesus saying that? Peace, be still. And his disciples were in his presence when he said that. Mark 4.39. And he rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Though he was speaking to the sea, he was also speaking to his disciples because they were just as tumultuous as the sea. Peace, be still. Life all around us may be like a raging storm, but in our souls, we can, by the power of God, be still. We can let go. We can drop. We can relax. How? Well, we have to realize we are not in control. Really, we are not. No, it's when we, it's when we get the most uh, anxious when we try to control our situation and force the situation in, in a certain direction. But we need to let go or be still because we are not in control. And then the second thing we need to do is we need to drop our cares in the Lord's lap. Okay, be still. Drop your cares in the Lord's lap. And then, thirdly, we need to relax and find rest and security in God's presence. Oh, so easy to say, so hard to do, but so powerful. Be still or cease striving, let go, drop, relax, and know that I am God. The Hebrew word know means to know by experience. We're not talking about a head knowledge. We're talking about a whole be being experience of the presence of God. And he says, know by experience that I am God. Now, again, the Hebrew word Elohim, or I am the powerful one. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. 83, 18. That men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the high, most high over all the earth. Your name is alone is God, the Lord, the most high over all the earth. When he says, know that I am God, what is he talking about? He's talking about experientially knowing that he is in control, that he is compassionate. He's not some beast up there with a big stick hitting us on the head. That's not what he is. He's compassionate. He is holy. He's all-powerful. And then he is sovereign. 
Do we really know by experience this God that the psalmist is talking about? Are we moving so fast? Are we so busy living that we fail to truly hear and know him? I've used this illustration before, but I'd like to use it again. Before refrigerators, uh, now, does anybody remember before refrigerators? Oh, he does, okay. Okay. Before refrigerators, <laughs> okay, where was it? Oh, yes. Before refrigerators, people used ice houses to preserve the food. Ice houses had thick walls, no windows, and a tightly fitted door. In winter, when streams and lakes were frozen, large blocks of ice were cut, hauled to the ice houses and covered with sawdust. Often the ice would last well into the summer. One man lost a valuable watch while working in an ice house. He searched diligently for it, carefully raking through the sawdust, but didn't find it. His fellow workers also looked, but their efforts too proved futile. A small boy who heard about the fruitless search slipped into the ice house during the noon hour and soon emerged with the watch. With the watch. Amazed, the men asked him how he found it. Here's, here's the reply. I closed the door, lay down in the sawdust, and kept very still. Soon I heard the watch ticking. The psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. I think sometimes we're too busy. and We're not listening. We can't even hear God. Often the question is not whether God is speaking, but whether we are still enough and quiet enough, quiet enough to hear and know him. So not only is God powerful over all the nations, he's going to judge them, not only is God powerful for us, but we get to verse, we continue on in the verse, God is powerful over all people. He says in the verse, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I will be high. I will be lifted up. I will be great. I will have honor and triumph. Someone wrote these words, What joy is brought to our souls when we are confronted with a problem which has no solution, and yet God works it out for our good and his glory. It is good for us on occasion just to stand still and watch the mighty hand of God intently. It's when we slow down and take time to know our God, we see that he is in control. He is in control. He is not surprised by circumstances. He loves us with an everlasting love and upholds us with, with his everlasting arms. He's the one who picks us up when we fall down. He's the only one we can truly trust. He's the only one we can truly give our life to, up in sacrifice. He is the only one worth living and dying for. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. The psalmist is telling us, God is exalted. And this exalted God is with us. That is, he is our place of security. 
What are some lessons? Well, I won't tell you how many because I, I can't remember. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought my brain healing would help my memory a little bit, but it's, it's still a little faulty. The Lord is our help in a tight place is the first lesson. And I mentioned, I know I mentioned it already, but the Lord is our help in a tight place. If we are in a tight place, let me suggest that we run by faith to Christ. We start, stop turning to all these other things and people and organizations. They're, they're helpful. But our first place we need to go is to our Lord. To our Lord. He's our help in a tight place. And we don't want to go to him to escape. That's not, we don't want to escape our problems. We want him to help us through them. We need to go and tell him, Lord, I want to go through the battle. I want to go back to my work. I want to dwell in your presence. Give me the strength. Don't run away. By the way, we can never get away from our problems, right? I run away from one problem, what do I find? Another one, right? You know, and maybe, maybe I have several. So I'm running around like a rat. And so we claim the marvelous promise Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We can claim that. And when he is our refuge and strength, we have nothing to fear. And guess what we find as a result? Security. That's what I've been talking about all along, right? Security. When God is my refuge, when God is my hiding place, when God is the source of my strength, I have security. Secondly, I've said this before, but I want to say it again. For us, there is a river. Remember what Jesus said? John 7, 37 and 38. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, Is anyone thirsty? Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture saith, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I am your river. Why don't you come to me and drink? Why drink out of the cesspools of the world when we have this pure living water from Christ? The rivers of the living water the rivers of joy flow out from him. And we have been given the privilege to drink from the river. So we have a river. Why aren't we drinking from this river? And because we drink, when we drink from this river, we will have joy. We will have refreshment. We will have power. And we will have security. In the Lord. The last lesson is this. God is sufficient in any circumstance. That's why the psalmist says in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, very present help in trouble. And then going into verse 2, therefore we will not fear. He is sufficient for any circumstance. 
Remember what the Lord told Paul? It's a very familiar passage, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Sufficient means enough. It's enough. That's all I need. All I need is God. I don't need all the other toys I have, even though they're nice to have. I don't really need them. But I really need, and you really need, God and his presence. Someone wrote these words. Christians fail to trust God in times of trouble because they know nothing about his sufficiency. They have not learned that he is sufficient. We need a God who does not fail us. And God is sufficient in any circumstance. I'm going to close with the psalm, the song that is based upon Psalm 46. Listen to the words. The Lord is my refuge and strength. Therefore, I will not be afraid. Though the mountains give way and fall into the sea, he will come and rescue me. The Lord comes to me at break of day. He reaches down to guide me in his way. Though the oceans roar in this dark and stormy sea, he will come and rescue me. Be still and know that he is God. He will be exalted over all. Come and behold his strength and majesty. Yet he will come and rescue me. Praise the Lord. He is with me. Praise the Lord. We cannot be moved. Praise the Lord. He is with me. And then finally, praise the Lord. I rest secure. That's what the psalm is, the psalm is about, the security of God. Please stand with me and let's close in prayer. Thank you, Father, for being our security. We live in a world that's it's so easy to be fearful in. So many things are going wrong. So many things are just falling apart. But we have you. We have your presence. We have your son who went to the cross and died for people like us and rose again from the dead and is coming back. And we can find rest in you and security. And may, this, may the words of this psalm speak to us. And may we find that security not in ourselves, not in people, not in things or organizations, but in you. In your son's name, amen. Please take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 13. Hymn number 13, Bow the Knee. We'll sing both stanzas. set me free as I lift my eyes and see his awesome glory 
I remember who he is. Bow the knee. Bow the knee. Bow the knee. He is king of all the ages. Bow the being with us this this day and pray the Lord will bless this week for you in his name amen